This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Prayer brings revelation. Let's turn to the book of Psalms in Psalm 55. I've got a couple of verses that I'd like to bring out. Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17. This is King David. King David always knew what to do when he was in trouble. Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17 says, But I call to the Lord, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. And in 143, verse 8, it says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. That's what we needed. We heard tonight that God's love is unfailing. And here's David saying, In the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go, for, for, to, for to you I lift up my soul. Show me the way that I am to go. You know, King David had such a close relationship with God that whenever things were going not quite the way he planned, he knew exactly where to go. He knew where to go for help. He could trust God. God had never let him down. Even though David had made many mistakes, he knew to come back with a repentant heart, restore unto me the joy of my salvation was a cry of his heart. He didn't want to be separate from God. And we knew that sin separated, but he knew that God's love would bring him back into that fellowship. Now, and this is, this is a great help for us. We can, we can read that and say, oh, I'd love to have that close relationship. Well, we can we can have that all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He opened that way up for us that we too can come into the Father's care through the blood of Jesus. It was all done for us on the cross, Calvary. Nothing was left undone. The writer of the Hebrews says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and that we will obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As King David asked, Show me the things, show me the way that I can go so we too can come before the Father and show me the way that I need to go. And another translation says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence so we can come with boldness or we can come with a confidence knowing that this throne is the throne of grace and mercy. It's not a throne of judgment. God's arms are outstretched to us. We can come just as we are and bow down before him because he's always welcoming us into his care. He understands our need. Not only does he understand, but he's also able to meet our need. Just as he promised, he knows what's best for us. That's a, a, a lesson I had to learn. You know, sometimes I've prayed for things and gone the way that I thought it should have, but when I look back now, I'm glad it didn't because God knows what's best. I can only see through the hole in the fence for today, but God knows the beginning from the end, and he knows what's best for us. But there's one thing that I do know, that a faith-filled prayer opens the door to revelation. Sometimes it comes to us in a word, sometimes in a vision. You know, there's many ways that God can reveal his word to us and show us the way that he wants us to go. There's a story I want to bring out tonight in the book of Acts. It shows how God answers prayers in different ways, but for one eternal plan. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, 
well-known story, but there's some things in it that we can learn from. Acts chapter 9, verse starting at verse 32. It's 9, 32. As Peter travelled about the country, he went to visit the saints at Lydda. There he found a name named Ananias, a paralytic, who had been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, take care of your mat. Immediately Ananias got up, and all those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to, to the Lord. Here we see this, this, a changing in what had been happening in the disciples' lives. Remember back a few weeks ago we celebrated Pentecost when the Spirit came down? The disciples had followed Jesus. He had told them what he wanted them to do, to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit had come upon them and they received that power to take the good news into all the world. But what they had done stayed in Jerusalem and around and they had been preaching the gospel to the Jews only. They hadn't done what Jesus had called them to do. And so what he did sent persecution amongst them. And so they scattered and they went and they took the gospel out. And here, this story here picks up here where Peter has gone down to just to check on some of the saints, just to see how they were going. He was still just seeing the Jews. He'd gone to visit the saints who had come to faith in Jesus. These were Jews that had come to faith in Jesus. Also, some proselytes. These were people who had come to faith, but they had remained in the Jewish customs and, and, and still coming under the, the law of the customs of the Jews. The important thing that spoke to me, and this is I read through this, was when Jesus prayed to Ananias to be healed, it's in Jesus' name. Peter didn't say, I heal you. It's Jesus who does the healing. There is no other. The power is in the name of Jesus, not in ourselves. We read on from verse 36. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated, when translated, is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Leda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Leda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Peter, come at once. Peter went to them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said to Peter, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people stayed believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Here again we see Peter down on his knees asking the Lord, how do I pray for this woman? This woman's dead. And God revealed to him what to do. He prayed for her and said to her, get up, and she came to life. The power of the risen Christ. The power wasn't in Peter. The power was in the one that he sought, in Jesus Christ the Lord. When these two miracles happened, many came to faith. Now, if that had been me, that would have been enough. I would have been 
pretty chuffed that I've just healed one person and raised another from the dead. I thought that would have been great. But God was using Peter mightily, but there was still more to come. God's never finished with us. He's always got more to come. Now the story shifts. Here God is now revealing himself to a Gentile by the name of Cornelius, who had also had a vision telling him what to do. We pick this up in chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 1 down to 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, and what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send, now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that, he, that had happened and sent them to Joppa. seems to me what I've looked at there that Cornelius seems to be the first Gentile that's been admitted into the fellowship of the believers. So what sort of a man was this Cornelius? What, what did we learn out of that from him? The first thing was that he was a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. A centurion is believed to have had a hundred men under his control. These, we, there was, these regiments were stationed all throughout the Roman Empire and they were there to bring stability and to keep people, keep peace among the people right through the Roman system. An ancient historian describes the qualifications of a centurion like this. Centurions are desired not to be overbold and reckless as much as to be good leaders of steady and prudent mind, not prone to take the offence to start fighting wantonly, but able when overwhelmed and hard-pressed to stand fast and die at their posts. The centurion, these centurions were looked upon to be the backbone of the whole Roman um, uh, army. So Cornelius would have been a loyal and courage man, courageous man. He was a man, he was a God-fearer, was the second point I got out of it. He's a God-fearer. Even though he was not a Jew, he did believe in God and in the moral and ethical teachings of the Jews. And even though he did good things, he still needed to know the way of salvation. God had seen his good deeds. God had seen his heart. He was a God-fearing, he was a God-seeking man. But there's still one thing he needed. He needed to know the way of salvation. He was a generous man. In his search for God, it caused him to be like um, to to have a heart for people. He wanted to help people, and in his giving, his searching, God found him. He was also a man of prayer. Now, at this stage, he's praying, but he may not have known who he was praying to. He was praying to God, but he needed to know which God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he was praying. He was a man of prayer. He, he's a, is a heart after God, and God knew his heart. And that's why he sent an angel to him in a vision. And in the vision, 
the angel told him about Peter and what he needed to do. Here now the story shifts again, this time back to Peter. And Peter was to learn an important lesson as we pick up the story in in verse 9. About noon the following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. I don't know what he went up there to pray for. It doesn't say. He just said he went up there to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about this meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate, go to, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Up until this time, the Jews would have nothing to do with the Gentiles. for They thought that salvation was for them alone. So before Cornelius could be welcomed into the fellowship of believers, Peter had to learn a valuable lesson. It would appear that this was already happening because remember in the story it said that Peter was staying at Simon the Tanner's house. Now a tanner works with the skin of dead animals, which was taboo in the Jewish religion. He would have been continually unclean. Perhaps this Simon, maybe he was a Christian, and Peter was beginning to see that Christianity was breaking down all the petty laws and taboos. God was already doing a work in Peter's life, little bit by little bit. His eyes were being opened to what God was wanting him to do. It was about midday when Peter went up onto the roof. Houses in, houses in those days had a flat roof, and he may have just gone up there to have a bit of privacy to pray. And as it happens sometimes with us too, when we want to go and spend a bit of time alone with God, we start to pray, worldly thoughts start coming in. All distractions, just trying to bombard you, trying to get you away from spending that time alone with God. But in this, in this case, thought of food was what God was wanting him to see because it was in this, in this area of his life that he wanted to teach him something. God wanted to reveal to him a very important message because the Jews had very strict laws and rules about what they can eat, what they can't eat. It was very strict and so God was using this issue of food to get Peter to see a deeper issue that was happening here. So when the voice said to him to get up and eat, kill and eat, he replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, 
Peter was a few times in his life when he would get a bit self-righteous, you know, and God had to do a work in him. And I think we can all get a bit like that. You know, we get a bit self-righteous in ourselves. God has to do a work on us to get us back to where we need to be. And this vision happens three times so that Peter would surely get the message. God wasn't going to let him go this time. What God had made clean is clean. Through this vision of food, Peter got a revelation that it was much more about more than food. It was about people. And then Peter started to get the revelation of what God was wanting him to see. This was about people. If we just flick over to Galatians 3, just keep your finger in, in Acts. Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 29. Galatians 3, 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, which is Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, the promise that we are all one in Christ. The great promise. No matter who we are, where we've come from, culture, ethnic background, good upbringing, bad upbringing, through Christ we are all one. We are equal, heirs, joint heirs with Christ, our Saviour our blessed Redeemer. If Peter had not had this vision, he would not have gone with these men to Cornelius. But now he had a revelation that broke down the barriers so that all, all who have faith in Christ Jesus, all who believe in him are one. Unity and belief in Christ Jesus breaks down all the barriers. And now Peter was ready to go with them. You on in verse 23b. The next day Peter started out with them and he took along with him some of the brothers from Joppa who went with him. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he had called all together all of his family, relatives, close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. This is interesting, isn't it? I like Peter's response because here's a man who had heard so much about this man, Peter. And when Peter entered the house, which was a, a breakthrough in itself, entering a, a Gentile's house, the man falls down and worships him. But Peter's response immediately, no, get up, stand up, I'm only a man. You know, it's, it's good to show respect for great people but we're not to worship them. Our worship is to one and only, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so that's a great lesson for every one of us to learn, that we can worship one true and living God and no other. We can have respect, we can honour people, but we're not to worship them. We are to worship Jesus and him alone. Jesus. Where do I get up to? Verse 30. No, it wasn't. Verse 27. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, 
I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent for me? Peter entered the house of a Gentile, something that he would never have done in the past. And it was interesting, when he entered, he saw a large gathering of people. I think he might have been expecting just to, just to meet with Cornelius as a, a one-on-one, but here Cornelius had invited everybody to come and fill his house. So, so when Peter walked in, he seen a gathering of many people. And my thought is that they would have all been excited. They would have had an expectant heart. What's this man got to say? Because Cornelius would have shared with them the vision that he had seen and what the angel had said to him. So my thought is that these people would have been hungry. They would have been wanting to know, what's this man called Peter? What's this message that he's got to bring to us? Pick it up in 30. Cornelius answered and said, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the fore. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of these of everything that he did in the country, in the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified about him, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down and all heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were absolutely astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out, even on the Gentiles. What an awakening it was for them. They weren't expecting that to happen. But God is sovereign. He pours out his spirit on all who will believe. And the Holy Spirit was poured out, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. You know, when Peter had heard, asked, Why have you sent for me? And they told him. He began to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus and explain to them all what Jesus had done. It was the good news of the gospel. And while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon them. When Peter was explaining the word of God, they had expectant hearts. They were hungry for what Peter had to bring. 
The Spirit was sovereign. The Spirit was moving. Their eyes were opened. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and they started speaking in other tongues. That's the power of Almighty God. He can break down every barrier. He can crash through every wall. And they began to speak with tongues and praising God. That's what happens when you get a revelation of who God is and the love of Jesus. We can't help but start praising him and worshipping him. And they were baptised in water because they believed in the name of Jesus. And then they asked Peter to remain with them. I would imagine that they wanted to learn more of this. They wanted to know more about this Jesus. And so they invited him to stay even longer. So the walls had been broken down. Peter's devout Jewishness was broken down, that God was for all people. Jesus died on that cross for all people and the wall had been broken down and now the, the gateway was opened. Here we have two, two men, very different. One, a devout Jewish Christian, and the other one was a man, a Gentile man, seeking after God, both praying. I don't know what they were actually praying about, but they were both praying and they both received a vision. Now, I just get excited when I, I see what, what God's doing here. He's setting them up for, for a meeting. It's, it's God's plan. He's, he's working it out. He's setting it up. He's got a divine thing happening here. Two different men, two different backgrounds, both praying, both getting a different vision, but it was for one eternal purpose. God's, God's always about his work. Both visions were different, but they were linked together for an eternal purpose. That's what God's eternal plan is all about, getting people together to, to worship him. You know, the gospel message is for everyone. And the good thing about both of these men, even though they were different, even though their visions were different, they were both obedient to what the angel told them. The angel came, they were praying, the angel came, gave them a vision, told them what to do, and they both were obedient to do what God called them to do. That was exciting because when you do what God asks you to do, things happen. Now, we, we too, we need to be a people that pray and seek after God. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to seek God to reveal to us what, what's his will for our lives. The spreading of the gospel of Jesus, it's still the same today. You know, cultures and things in the world might change the gospel message never changed. It's still the same. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, the message never changes. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Again, when he was speaking to Nicodemus, he said, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Mark eleven twenty four, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you've received it and it will be yours. Now what has God laid on your heart? What are you seeking God about for your life? We need to lay our prayers and come at his feet and say, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Ask him to show you what's in his heart for you. Make sure it's according to his will. Because sometimes we ask for things that are according to our will and we wonder why it doesn't work out or why the prayers don't get answered. Sometimes we ask for things that, that are amiss. In, in, uh, in James we read that. Sometimes like Peter, 
there's something else in our life that God wants to change first. You now it would be a waste of time being called to be a missionary to go into a far country and you just get up and go. You don't do the homework. You don't do the study. You don't do the work. You don't do the preparations to get there. You now God does to do a thing in, in us to get us to do what he wants us to do first because he wants to change us on the inside. You know, what's my heart? What's the attitude, motivation of my heart? They're the things that God wants to change first. Once the inside work's done, then it comes out and we can be the people that God has called us to be. So that's what I've seen in that tonight. This, even though they're different people, different men, God still is working out a plan. It's all about his plan. And that's what we need to do. Ask God, what, what do I have to do? What's your plan for my life? And he will reveal it through his word, through the spirit. Maybe he'll send a prophet. There's many ways that God can speak into our lives. But the one thing is we need to come before him and ask him to reveal to us his will for our lives. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you that you loved us so much, that you went to that cross for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you opened a way for us as Gentiles to be able to come into your kingdom. And like Peter, Father, sometimes there's things in our lives that you need to put right. So we come with repentant hearts, Father, and with an open heart, we bow before you. You could speak into our lives through the power of your spirit. We thank you that you loved us so much, that you sent your one and only son to die on a cruel cross for our sins. And Lord, we put our hand up to serve you. And Lord, we thank you and praise you that you have a plan and you have a purpose for each of our lives. You brought us into this world, each one, with a plan. And we know, Lord, that sometimes those plans get messed up along life's journey. But you are a gracious and loving God. You're always about your work. You never sleep nor slumber. You're always calling us back into that right place. You're like a good shepherd trying to get the sheep back onto the right track. So we thank you and praise you for your amazing love, your grace and mercy to, toward us. And we seek you, Lord, as we pray. We ask, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us and show us what to do. So, Lord, we commit our lives to you afresh and anew. We give you thanks for our lives. We give you thanks for our family. We give you thanks for our church family. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Bless you all. Bless you all who entered in online. And stay for a coffee and try and get warmed up a little bit. That'll be good. Okay, all the best. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.